With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we are live. Hey, everybody, it's the Winning for Next Year.com podcast. I'm your host, Craig Lindell. On here with me is Dave Sterling. How's it going, Dave? We used to podcast together, Craig. I don't know if people remember that. Yeah, we used to do that, and I used to do it a lot more during the pandemic. By the way, we're part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, as is uh, Dave's other podcast, The Browns Friday Fumble. Uh, last time we were brought to you by Fidelity Investments, I believe. So <laughs> so let, before we talk about the Browns, because you wanted to talk about the Browns, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the Browns Friday Fumble, how how you approached this season coming off last season, Um and just I mean, for those who don't listen, I assume most people listen, but just kind of it's the world's most fun inside joke or now it's an outside joke. I, I don't Is it still an inside joke? It depends who you ask. I know that a lot of the stuff we do. Uh, anyway, from the beginning, if you've never heard of it before, uh, the Browns Friday Fumble is a kind of satirical parody of a Browns podcast that kind of highlights some of the worst stuff that happens on sports radio and on Twitter and in Instagram comments and stuff like that, uh, where my co-host Dylan and I play versions of ourselves who are overreacting, underreacting, you know, depending on whatever happens in a particular Browns game or season. And so as I texted Craig earlier tonight, um, I wanted to talk Browns and have have to not be a buffoon for a while and because that's kind of what i do on the friday fumble is we we're silly and we have bad takes and stuff like that but now i you know it's fun to talk about the browns for real as well and as much as i think everybody would be well served to go back and listen to last season's uh episodes the last season of the browns friday fumble the fact is that it's hysterical you guys spent the entire season pretending like you didn't know anything about COVID. You didn't know what it was. You made fun of the Ravens for having an empty stadium. Yeah. Yeah. And then and that was kind of like the running inside joke of the entire season. Yeah. And this year we found out about COVID and a lot of <laughs> things are because of COVID. Yeah. We just decided kind of at the beginning of the year, by the time football season started, we were all so tired of it is that I think I've talked with you privately, Craig, about like, okay, I'm tired of seeing Moondog in a mask. Like, if I'm watching a Cavs game, I want to forget that there's that there's masks and pandemics for a while. You know, like, don't put don't put Moondog in there in a mask. I don't I don't need anything. Yeah, and and so your way of doing that was to basically be a couple of Browns commentators who didn't know that COVID existed. I remind me again, how did you address Kevin Stefanski missing a game from the basement? He had no one was expecting him to make the playoffs and he had already booked his postseason vacation and he couldn't get refunded. So the team let him take he had that week 
a lot of the stuff we talk about sometimes is treating the Browns front office like it's a normal office. And so since Stefanski had already put in his vacation requests, there was nothing that had already been approved. So, you know. Naturally. Yeah. And so last kind of behind the music type question for the Browns Friday fumble. <laughs> um, for those who don't know, you you basically script every episode. Talk us through kind of that writing process. Uh, well, it is. it starts with... Um, with texting each other Wednesday. Uh, the plan was this year that we could Zoom Wednesday and then meet in person Thursday to record. We do much better when we record in person. Um, it's just easier. It's more interesting. It's more fun. We're both vaccinated. We're not worried about any of that stuff. So the plan is like Wednesday at about eight, either I will text Dylan or Dylan will text me and say, I don't feel like writing tonight. And so we'll kind of put it off. And then basically we sit down kind of throughout the game and the week. We have a, a chat thread with a couple other guys um, who sometimes get credited and sometimes don't, depending. And we just kind of say, hey, remember this for Thursday. So, like, for instance, if you want to behind the scenes of this week's episode is that, um, let's see. So we've decided that probably this week we're going to be more about next-gen stats. And we'd rather Baker be 100% accurate and lose the game than Baker be 50% accurate and win the game because it's about the next-gen stats. And, game within the game. Right, exactly. So, you know, so we'll text each other random ideas like that and then we'll kind of sit down with an outline of, okay, we need to recap the game. We need to do some Browns news. We need to talk about whoever we're playing. And then this year has been nice because we've had opponents that we haven't played a ton. Cause one of the best things to start writing and like get yourself in the flow of writing for us is to do the jo dumb jokes about the roster where you look at just a name. bunch of puns about names for, for the most part. Yeah. Which is great. But that gets you going like, if you start with, if you can't think of anything else to write, you get with that and you kind of get in the flow of writing. But then when you're playing Baltimore again, a team with famously low turnover, <laughs> and you're like, oh, I, I can make the same Lamar Jackson joke again, I guess. But so, yeah, we sit down, we write that out. And we kind of go, do we have enough? I don't know. Do we have enough? And then there is some improv going. I don't know if this is interesting to anybody, but we'll pick one segment like the like the predictions, for instance. Where I can always tell because you guys end up laughing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite things is when writing the roster jokes is is doing the, a bunch of them myself and having Dylan not have read them and to have him crack <laughs> up at one of them. Um, but yeah, we do some stuff where we're like, OK, let's let's just come up with something and then. Even if we have written something, we both come up with stuff in the middle of it. And we have been working together long enough that, well, yeah, that's the thing. I've you been guys have been friends for like 35 years. So, yeah, that's true, too. Um, more like 30, but still, that's one of those things that we're trying to highlight this year is that when we started doing this podcast, Mike Pettin was the coach of the Browns. 
that's how long we've been doing the Friday Fumble. Which is pretty hysterical. All right, yeah. so let's talk about the actual uh, 2021 Cleveland Browns because obviously that's what you wanted to do. Um, so first of all, how much of this is just going to be you bitching about everything that was said on Twitter after the game? I'm t- I've decided to take a different approach. Okay. And I, and I want to welcome everybody uh, to the idea that you can enjoy football however you want to. That's that's the first thing. So if you want to be mad about it all the time, that's that's up to you. Um, and I wanted to say this part too that people get mad when people say, "Oh, we should have done this," or "Oh, we really ran the ball well," and they're, "Oh, you're not on the team." Like, number one, I think fans we can say we all you want, and then to second that, I think you can draw the line at we as fans can think differently about the Browns and about the game and about what a football team is supposed to be like than the team can. Like I've heard so many people go, Oh yeah, you know, there's no more victories. You can't do that. Or you can't blame the refs. You know, that's, that's on you. The good teams win it even against the, and you're like, but I can do that. I can blame the refs all day. I'm a fan. It's we. Yeah. Kevin, Kevin Stefanski isn't guiding my fandom. Right. And, and and the ways in which he needs to keep that locker room culture intact are not affected by my thoughts and opinions and the way I feel. By the way, I must admit, I've I've been a, a don't say we person, mostly only personally, but I used to I used to probably finger wag a little bit. I don't do that anymore. You but have I probably gotten used a lot to. better. You, you, you used to, but you've gotten a lot better about that. And I think a big part of it is just like be, be a fan of the Browns however you want to. And I choose to be a fan of the Browns in, I was talking to a friend about this. This is the type of game, like remember like five years ago, like the no win season. And this is not making excuses for losing close games or anything like that. Think of the five win season. And then like, like if the Browns were playing at four, you caught the last half hour of the one o'clock game. And you're like, man, these two teams are playing a different sport than the Browns are playing. Did the Browns lose Sunday? Yeah, they did. But that was one of the most entertaining games I've ever watched. And the fact that the Browns were a part of it and competitive in it is something that you didn't you didn't have a few years ago. Uh, it's a loser mentality. I can't believe you're taking joy out of a loss. Uh, call me on my uh, call-in talk show number. Uh, right. No, I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Um, especially I'm because, allowed to have a loser mentality. I'm a fan. Yeah. Well, and I got in. I got into it. And again, I, I don't try and tell other fans what to do. But I was watching a game in person with a friend last year, and I got into it with him because it was the Bengals game. And the Browns didn't play particularly well, but Baker threw the Hail Mary to DPJ for the yeah. win on a last second thing. And and the Browns win the game. And he was like trying to tell me how awful it was. And I was like, no, 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 no. I know it didn't look pretty and, and it wasn't great, but the Browns won a football game. Uh, yeah. They won a football game that they would have lost nine out of 10, 99 out of 100 times in the last 20 years. Yeah. And, and I'm sorry. I'm here to watch wins and I'm yeah. going to enjoy it and you're not going to ruin it for me. 
Well, and as much as, and like I said, you can take the optimistic view regardless of that. Yeah. Like you and I had talked, our first thing when we would encounter each other playing soccer Sundays is how different people reacting to different things. But like the first week against Kansas City, I was pretty pumped up that we played pretty well against one of the best teams in the league. Yeah. And then you had your no moral victories crowd. You should have won that game. I got into personal Twitter spats with several people that fences have been mended. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, nobody, nobody actually wins a Twitter fight. Remember that? Nobody. Yeah. And then the next week after we won and it was a little bit ugly and it wasn't pretty, the same people were like, well, you should have blown that team out. And you're lucky the Tyrod went out. And like, if you're always looking to get the negative feelings out of things, then you're always going to find them. Oh, yeah. And so I'm going to choose to to look at the fact of Kevin Stefanski, for as attractive of a man as he is and as smart as he seems to be, has only coached 20 football games in the NFL. He's going to have some situations that he doesn't handle perfectly. And, and you've seen it with other coaches against us in the past. Like, I mean, these are just humans and he's well-prepared. He's kind of seems like he's prepared for everything. And he said in his press conference, well, I got a little bit out of myself there at the end because I was worried about protection. And I got, and he said, if I had it to do over, I would have done it differently. But like as winning coach of the year as a rookie coach was a big deal, but that doesn't make him infallible. And the fact that he won't learn from these things, this, it's one of those things like I trust, I trust him. I trust his coaching staff to know that, okay, I, I would much rather have him make a mistake, talk about the mistake than like a Greg, Greg Williams guy type who would just go up there and spout football nonsensicals about things. Well, and on top of that, the, let's let's gr say that maybe kevin stefanski's having a bit of a sophomore slump or that he's trying to get used to this new roster and he's 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 not totally comfortable compared to where he was at the end of last season yeah i think that kind of stuff is fair but the difference is where decidedly i was miserable because i didn't believe that the browns had the capability of turning it around in the past I feel like Kevin Stefanski can look at this team and and continue to coach and continue to focus on the things that they do well and accentuate the positive things while minimizing the bad things. I also feel like he's enacting a more uh, a longer term plan for the oh, entire yeah. season where he's not uh, running Nick Chubb into the ground because he's got to win a game in October. Yeah. It it seems like he knows, and, and Zach Jackson's talked a lot about this, so I don't want anybody to think that I'm just like ripping him off, but it, it speaks to me when he says this, that, you know, this team doesn't have its bye week till what, week 13? Yeah. And and you really need to manage the season, used to be in quarters, now there's 17 games, so I don't, I don't know how four you manage. Four point ones. Yeah, four, exactly. We're going to manage it in four point twos. After the four first points. quarter of this next a, game, 4.25s obviously <laughs> yeah yeah Duh. so after the first quarter of this of the cardinals game uh we'll take a look and evaluate <laughs> we can take all our timeouts between the first and the <laughs> second quarter 
no to, that's to the evaluate. that's the thing is when it was freddie i didn't know that freddie plus time equals a good organization yeah. i think you said that i think stefanski plus barry plus time and, and i go through this in regular work stuff too and i'm sure you do like you take a look at someone they make a mistake in their job you look at them and you go okay is this person gonna learn from that mistake and move on or is this something you've a pattern you've got to look at and when well, sometimes i get it and sometimes i get it wrong sometimes the browns get it wrong who who would have thought that david najoku just needed more time right and that's I, again i i listened to zach jackson today so i i'm stealing this from him like the fact that uh, to speak to your long-term plan thing okay so yesterday was the donovan people's jones david and joku go off game and it's been a different person or different people every week and i think that's part of a thing that when you get to uh december and january and you're playing in a playoff game that team has 17 games to look at and it's been two different guys every week throughout the season what are they supposed to do and i'm not saying oh yeah let's take away kareem hunt okay we're gonna get throw our screen passes to Najoku. all right we're gonna take away uh odell beckham jr hey jarvis landry's back now right and um, I, oh, by the way, Nick Chubb also ran for 162 yards right. on Sunday. And that's the thing with uh, the big thing yesterday is I can really tell a difference between. Um, I think that outcome number one is different if the goddamn pass interference uh, was called correctly or was properly no called. My least favorite pass interference calls are the ones that happen like five seconds after the play. Like can when we, it was can we clearly talk about dying. That for a second, though? Yeah. The the whole refereeing thing, and I'm going to tell fans how to fan on this one. Oh boy, here we go. No, like uh, the refs were bad. They made a mistake. Um, they made many mistakes. It was awful. But this idea that it's like rigged against the Browns. Oh no no there's no. Some uh, like no, I know you're not doing it. But like this 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 indication that one side is completely being officiated against is amazing to me because what happened on the final play last week against Minnesota did uh did Greedy Williams get away with what could have easily been called a pass interference in the end zone yeah yeah I mean this it these things do go both ways yesterday it went against the Browns I will admit it went against them but it's not there's no evil intent Oh there's yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah, I, I would never say it was intent. There's no would, grand ex- conspiracy. I, I wouldn't say that there was intent, but I would say that a lot of people are like, "Oh yeah, the, that call didn't didn't lose you the game. Other stuff lost you that game." But I beg to differ on that one. Like, you finally got to stop with six minutes to go, up a score. That's when you get the Chubb and Hunt grind out a three minute drive that ends in a touchdown. And you're up two scores with two and a half minutes left. And there's also everybody on the Browns is number one, it gets you more actual time for your defense to rest, who was down to its last guys, it seemed. And number 
number two part of that is there's something deflating about that to a team. And you can say, oh, yeah, these guys are pros. They should work through it. But, like, to a defense that had struggled all day to get off the field on third down and fourth down, okay, you finally make a big stop, and it still goes the other way. Like, that's got to be tough for the defenders to come back out after that play and keep going. You know what I mean? Again, I'm a fan who will blame the refs for that one. <laughs> and, but no, I agree with you. It is not some uh, conspiracy. I am more to the point of if they can have Gene Steratore come in and tell us that that was right or wrong, why doesn't Gene Steratore just work for the NFL and call the guy and go, hey, because I think everybody would appreciate things like that going right. No, I just, I appreciate the memo. It's basically the NFL's version of my bad that they right. send on like Monday or Tuesday, probably Tuesday or maybe even right. Wednesday after Monday night football. Yeah. That's, that's enough for me. You know, I'm satisfied as long as the NFL says my bad. Yeah. I'm good. Mm -hmm. uh, I, so what about, what about Baker complaining about that in the, the post game? I was How do you feel about, about that? that? I was thinking about that and I was, uh, I'm kind of, I like it, uh, number one, because okay. to me, I think that's one of those things, and I'm not getting political, I promise. But to me, like, in a proper political system, you've got a president, and that president should always take the high road. And that president should have cronies that do the dirty work and say the crappy thing that needs to be said, but shouldn't come out of the president's mouth. So I could see Stefanski not saying that, oh, we beat ourselves, it wasn't the officials, blah, blah, blah. And I like Baker being the one to get – it's like when a coach in the NBA gets himself thrown out arguing calls. It's to motivate the team. And I'd like to think that that, that helps a little bit with, hey, we're busting our ass back here and these penalties to acknowledge publicly that no, I don't think my guy was interfering with him on that play and kind of taking the player's side of it kind of thing. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, I I guess I, I'd prefer that he be a little more uh, vague about it. And just yeah. Well, say, I think... Hey, hey, no, you know, I can't comment on that because I don't want to get fined because that way you're saying it without saying it. And I kind of I kind of appreciate that. Um, but you know, and maybe this is just me being an older cranky man. Mm -hmm. Um, but like between Baker kind of talking the way he talks and miles talking the way he talks and then Baker's wife on Instagram and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, uh, could you just, man, yeah, maybe it's just but, me. I'll, I'll, I'll admit maybe it's just me. No, I mean, the Baker's wife thing is a little cringy in that. I don't know that I I'm sure Baker got home and went. God damn it. What is this? Like <laughs> what's more emasculating than your wife coming to defend you? Like, and I love my wife and everything, but like I, as a, as a, as a grown man, I could take care of myself and my wife can take care of herself and we support each other, but I don't need to go and make a big post about how there were a lot of flags, flags thrown on my wife during her football game. Well, or, or the constant, 
you know, you fans need to support you fan. Like the only the haters are gonna are and yes, the haters. Only the haters have any reason. Hold on, let to, me get a bottle of haterade up in here. You know it. Um, they're the only ones who have any reason to talk. Yeah. It, you know, it, like if you support Baker Mayfield through thick and thin and on his good days and bad days, you, you're not gonna you're, you're just gonna support him silently and right. But if you hate him, you're gonna talk. Well, and, and how many of the Baker Mayfield haters follow Emily Mayfield on Instagram anyway? Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, it's just like, so I would prefer, and again, I, I don't get to tell anybody what to do, but I would prefer that somebody in a position of power might just ignore that stuff because I don't yeah. think it's representative of what's, uh, I don't think it's a, I don't think we've counted all the votes. I think right. more people support Baker Mayfield and everything and realize what he's done even though he's not a finished product, we don't know that he's like the greatest thing of all time or that he's going to be the 10 year quarterback. I think, I think there are more people who are pro Baker than anti Baker. It's just, there's no reason to spout it off every week. If you're pro Baker. Right. Yeah. I, I would have a hard time looking at the game, but I did have a funny thought or what I think <laughs> is a funny thought. So let's say that, this season goes just okay and Baker is up and down and up and down and just okay. And, and hypothetically, let's say that Barry and Stefanski decide that they're going to go another direction and they're not going to resign Baker Mayfield. They're not going to franchise him. Yep. They're going to, they're going to bite that. Wasn't his pick. They like the guy, but they're going to bite that bullet and, and think that they can do better. And they, uh, they send out the memo. It's like, you know, we want to thank Baker Mayfield for all he's contributed. He helped with the attitude. He always acted like a professional, and 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 we we, we couldn't be more grateful for what he's given to the team, um, even as we part ways. It's, what's Baker's response to that? Do, do you oh. guess that it's going to be mature or immature? Do you think it's going to be spiteful? It's or... going to be immature in a mature way. It's not going to be gracious, though. No, it, it's he's, he's be a red ad- ass and he's it, always going to be a red ass. It's he's going to thank the fans, but he's going to talk about how he was a walk on and nothing's ever stopped him before. And this is just another step in that journey to get where he wants to be. And I'm going to be super happy to get there with the Denver Broncos. It's going to be the Colts. Well, oh, yeah, to be the right. Colts just to break up my family. Fine. <laughs> oh, a thing I forgot to say earlier. Jarvis Landry's in that game. That that last drive with three minutes left goes way, way differently. I think so, too. I mean, I think you can get a guaranteed four-yard play with Jarvis Landry. And so you do a chub run or a hunt run and a Jarvis Landry play. It's third and two then you can run the ball or you can do a play action boot or you can do something. But that, that small, those small windows, short throws to Landry are a huge, huge thing for Baker to have. And for that to not be there. And I'm not bringing up the Odell Beckham Baker Mayfield thing, but people were complaining that Odell Beckham only had, you know, three targets or whatever. Well, the first one, hit him in the chest on a fourth down. 
So like I can see not wanting to go back there when it mattered later. And, but, and I don't I don't think it's a conscious decision really. I think no, I I don't think he's avoiding him, but in the in the flow of the game, these things either happen or they don't. If you want to talk about like one serious issue that I think um Baker Mayfield needs to conquer as, as the season wears on is they cannot seem to complete anything over the top. Yeah. All their long even the long pass to Najoku um the short pass quite, that he broke. Was is probably 16, 15, 16 yards, which isn't a short, short pass, but it's also not the bomb over the top. We have, I can't remember one bomb over the top. I guess maybe Anthony Schwartz caught yeah, one. There was a Schwartz one. Um, but that's the one thing that the Browns need to find a way to add to the game. And I won't blame Stefanski for it because he was, uh, you know, he's, he not only called, probably schemed that long pass that Baker missed to OBJ in the Minnesota yeah. game. Yeah. Um, which was a much maligned play call that I thought was like, you wouldn't have said anything if he completed it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that too. Um, and I, you know, I'm not immune to it. Sometimes it's outcome dependent for myself. I'm not naming any names, but I have a friend who I chat with from time to time that is a little bit too negative um and like i don't know if they watch a lot of other games but like just tell us it's dylan it's fine <laughs> dylan's very positive um <laughs> i don't know if people watch a lot of but like look at a bunch of the scores just look at the nfl scores if you don't watch a lot of browns games and then look at the browns point totals in every week but the minnesota game the browns put up a lot of points not a lot of teams put up this many points. Like, and I got a friend who's mad any drive that isn't a touchdown and any opposing drive that isn't a three and out with a strip sack in it. And I'm just like, this is the NFL offenses score, defenses get stops, like, like 26 uh, 17 happens all the time. Like, it's, there's going to be flows of games and, if the Browns scored on every drive, we'd score 60 points. That never happens. And we, Browns, are you on the team? Huh? Yeah. We you suiting up. Um, maybe that was a problem I didn't put on my Chubb jersey. Um, and it's like, if you just look at a bunch of NFL scores, there's going to be drives we don't score on. There's going to be missed opportunities. And there are going to be things we should have stopped that don't stop. And there's just things that happen in the course of NFL games that, yeah, I'd love for the Browns to stop every every drive. And in the Minnesota game, they did, other than one. Right. Well, and and I always think about, um, and I know you're a huge Beach Nuts fan. Um, oh, yeah. I always think about the Buckeyes. Like if you if you watch the Buckeyes and you look at Twitter, the Buckeyes always give up. A drive early where it's almost like oh, they're yeah. there's are okay what are, what are you guys going to try and do today and then once they figure it out oh yeah they first make quarter an adjustment buckeyes twitter is my favorite first quarter buckeyes twitter well you might as well call they're it now be, that the browns about to be eat, beaten by akron this is bullshit now that now that the browns have a real coach with a real coaching staff behind him first quarter browns twitter is sometimes just utterly brutal yeah like 
the Browns giving up huge gash plays might be, it, it might spell doom, but chances are they're going to make some adjustments. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to see some different alignments and different things that they're going to try that. And some of them might actually work. And I actually have faith that they can do it. Like, yeah. The difference between Freddie Kitchens and Kevin Stefanski is Freddie Kitchens' first drive was always amazing. It's about the one 240 to, pounds, too. Yeah. The one he was allowed to script was always awesome. And the one that required tweaking and making adjustments and reading how the game was going going forward didn't always go that well. And he got a little overreactionary and stuff like that. And I feel like sometimes Stefanski uh, in the last couple of games has done that. Like in the Chiefs game and in this game, I think he did get a little, uh, did do some overreacting and had some poor play calls at the end. But I also trust that guy to get it figured out and learn from it versus uh, just, I don't know. It's It's tough. I've never had a coach for the Browns this entire time since 99 that I've gone, no, this guy knows what he's doing. I'm going to trust that this guy who is with the team and is planning for all this stuff knows a little bit more about football than I do. That's the other big thing. Like, I don't know, but yeah, all right. Big takeaway. You can you can be positive about things. You're not on the team. You're not in the locker room. You can you can take whatever positive feelings uh, you need or want to out of any Browns result. There, I've said it. All right, one more. I so I've got a, a weird question for you, but this is this is one that occurred to me. So, punting has been a problem for the Browns. Yes, that's this There's, is a tough question. There's no doubt that punting's been a problem for the Browns. And I normally think of punters as you just don't think about it. You fire quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you just go. This but, is the problem with having a likable punter. But no, here's the real problem. He's also the holder for the best kicker we've had since Phil Dawson. Yeah. Yeah. Does that factor in? To your decision-making process when it comes to the lackluster punting game? Um, I would have to say that this is one of those things where you, uh, I'm going to take it back to real life work stuff. You bring Chase McLaughlin into your office and you say, Hey Chase, I know you've seen some of these punts, but you're doing the kicking. He's doing the holding. How bad is it going to screw you if I get you a new punter to hold? And then if Chase goes, no, coach, I can kick it from anywhere with anybody. I don't give a shit. Or he goes, oh, man. I could actually kick better if I wasn't distracted by those giant arm muscles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's this is the real problem with having a likable punter. You know, I've been meaning to tell you, coach, I hate I hate a uh, holder with an accent. Yeah, it's really distracting. <laughs> he's always like, oh. he's always like, ready <laughs> yeah i oh. i don't know what happened because he used to boom the ball and I don't, is he working out too much are his muscles he, too big he's too far removed from rugby yeah well and i thought like in the chiefs game when he bobbled it i was like 
yeah, rugby punter. And that lasted for 0.5 seconds. Yeah, he turned into a rugby like, runner. Yeah, well, but not very well. No. Like, I thought he was going to, like, oh, he'll break a tackle. He's fat. He's not that fast. No. He's no Reggie no, Hodges big. back there. He's big, though. He is big, but not as big as the uh, the uh, punting uh, the punt lineman for the Chiefs. <laughs> I, I, I have the feeling that this is going to be one of those podcasts where I'm going to be kicking myself that we didn't talk about something. I feel like we're missing something. What were we supposed to talk about that we're not talking about? Um, people are mad that Chubb wasn't in the game for that second-to-last drive. Yeah, the, um, the Chubb-Hunt debates are dumb. Are, are just so silly. Yeah. Should should Nick Chubb be in the game or should uh, Hunt be in the game? Uh, yes. Well, but Chubb's on my fantasy team, Greg, and if he would have gotten another touch, I would have still lost to Chad. 162 yards and i mean hunt carried them through two games so far it's just yeah it's fine it's yeah. all fine um baker mayfield we talked about that we talked about poor officiating i think we have the technology now to do that kind of officiating without the challenge system I like the challenge system for did he catch it, did he not catch it, uh, inbounds, out of bounds, stuff like that. But I do think an overall, as Joe Thomas would call it, the sky judge. Well, that was fun. Um, yeah, my internet crashed. Uh, Dave dropped off. And uh, well, that was a really underwhelming way to end a podcast. Is that how we're ending it? I don't know. I mean, I was going on a good rant about something, but I'll be damned if I know what it is right now. <laughs> just, just my internet guaranteed that I have to do some audio editing before I post. Uh, that's the worst. No. Well, I think that's probably a good place to stop, huh? Yeah, I think we were just trying to figure out what we missed. So I don't think we missed anything. Yeah, so I'll just do the plugs. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to the waitingfornextyear.com podcast for the Browns Friday Fumble. That's on Fridays, obviously. Um, and the Browns have a Thursday night game. Is it going to be a Browns It'll Wednesday be a Fumble? It'll be a Wednesday Fumble, yeah. God, that's so hard on you. Short honestly. week. Short week. Yeah. The worst um, part about that one, and let me say this. Um I would say that we try to keep the episodes as evergreen as a weekly football podcast could be, but really, especially since we're on the evergreen podcast network, that's true too. Um, so it is a little frustrating on the Thursday night game that it the, the podcast has the shortest shelf life from release to game. But I will say that we do enough stuff in my opinion that's entertaining as a kind of a bit of a Browns time capsule somewhat. And also we do enough kind of weird random stuff that you don't need to remember what was going on in the flow of a season to enjoy some of the episodes. So if you want any episode suggestions at Craig and he'll tell you which ones to listen to, but yeah, uh, you can go back. Don't feel like you need to listen to every one of them, you know, go back and find one. If you just search, uh, Friday Fumble in uh, the Waiting for Next Year feed, wherever you get your podcasts. Or if you follow on Twitter, at Friday Fumble, uh, 
Dylan has made some Spotify playlists with some of our favorite episodes. And I can tweet that out. That's really cool. Um, again, we're part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and then um, kind of non-sports related. Uh, the thing that I've been working on all year is music essays. Uh, I call it the album of record. You can check it out on Substack. You can find it on my Twitter or on Facebook. And I, I was joking, Dave, that I waited for the Browns to be good to have no interest in talking about the Browns anymore. I'm back <laughs> talking about music. It's, But honestly, I didn't really plan it. I just kind of felt like doing it. It made me feel good. It was a, it was fun to jump in the music time machine. And you, know, you just got to go with what makes you happy, even if it's being a bad fan. Right, Dave? There you go. And that's why I wanted to do this. It's just because I, I'm tired of doing terrible Browns takes all the time. So I just wanted to, to legit talk Browns for, for a little bit, you know, like we used to. I was, I was happy you put up the bat signal or whatever it is that we call the waiting for next year podcast signal. The classic Brownie elf signal. And we didn't plan this. I wore a we Brownie did not. elf as well. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the waiting for next year.com podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.